feeling a bit like Alice. Tumbling down the rabbit hole. Take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. I'm awake. Are you? Let's go now to our new episode of The Unfiltered Rise with me, Heidi Love. Hi, welcome to Kadosh Life and Unfiltered Rise. I'm here with Heidi Love again, and we are going to continue our chat from last time about the Nephilim, the Antichrist Church, the symbolism in the temples, what's going on in the world of the abuse situations with, um, you know, what's going on in the public. We're just going to cover a whole bunch of stuff today. And we're going to do two parts again. So this will probably be at part the rate, three, at the rate this is going. We're going to be doing them every week for years. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> but, 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 but we won't, we won't continue parts, no. but th- we'll just continue this topic. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm just saying, cause there's such a wealth of information from the lovely church of Latter-day Saints. Oh, the church <laughs> left us with, you know, eons <laughs> worth of things to yeah. unravel. Absolutely. It's so, much. so it's so much. Yes. We're, we're trying. (laughs) (laughs) So what we're going to jump into today is we, we wanted to just hit on a few things after going back through, you know, we're women and we both have a little bit of ADD (laughs) (laughs) and we do these tangent things. And so there's a few things that we, that we didn't complete it. So we're going to kind of touch on some of that stuff from the last episode. And then we're going to go into just expounding on some of the stuff we already talked about. So, um, one of the first things that I wanted to point out is is that I had said at one point that Lucifer in the temple is the one who gives signs and tokens. And I didn't mean to say Lucifer. He's not the one in the video that actually is teaching signs and tokens. That's Peter, James, and John. Um, but he he asks them if they have any money. It, it, it's this really weird thing. He and actually, also gives we, us the apron. He straight up gives us the apron. So that right. does happen. Right. And I actually have, I found the video. And so maybe oh my gosh. Um, we can go into that because, and it's really weird too, because now I just, while I was searching for the Mormon temple, Adam and Eve creation video that has taken Genesis and added a bunch of weird stuff into it that's not there. Um, mm-hmm. There's somebody who went in recently and recorded it and put the whole thing up, but then they took it, they made him take it down because of copyright. But yeah, that was my friend. He was going to get a- sued. <laughs> that was my oh, friend. Oh, you know him? <laughs> I do. That is crazy. We should maybe talk to him. Oh, um, he would do it. Maybe. maybe. They, came, <laughs> they came on another video and they were had their voices. Um, it was a couple and they had their voices like muted out and they weren't on camera. Uh, probably because they didn't want to get sued or in trouble by the church for doing it. But they... Um, Right now, it's crazy because they're they don't have the movie anymore, and I didn't know this. They are doing the slideshow, so it's totally different than it was, which is really weird because they spent a lot of money and several years making four new videos, and hmm. uh, so the the newest one that's actually a full length video, um, one of the newer ones that was before they moved it to a slideshow now. 
I've never even seen that one and I had seen them all before. And so I'm oh, not oh. sure what's going on there, but they change stuff all the time. And it. it just goes to show how much is being changed there. So I just wanted to say a correction in case anybody caught on to that. Lucifer doesn't hand out the signs and tokens, but like you said, he does give the apron. So, so I think at some point we definitely should go into a commentary on the Mormon temple movie and just sit and watch it and break it down. It's Cause so it's crazy. fascinating. We might. Yeah. If you it. knew what we watched in there. <laughs> You're just sitting there going, uh, what are we doing? A lot of people never go back. A lot of people it never was... go back after the first time. Once they get in there, they're like, um, hello. Yep. So that way. Okay. And then um I I wanted to hit on too. So I talked about how it was there was one of my daughter's dreams that um pointed me to understanding that the the Nephi thing connection to the Nephilim. And it's, it's fascinating because I was looking at her dream and it's definitely a prophetic dream. And what I feel like it is about is the wicked destroying the wicked because the dead Nephilim spirits and the giants in the Bible are what's prophesied in the last days to come and destroy. And, um, it says in the Bible that they would have to watch their children destroy one another. God cursed them that, that, you know, they were, they would have to watch their children destroy one another. And even in the spirit, these dead evil spirits of the Nephilim, you know, are coming back to destroy with the giants that are currently here. I've seen that envision myself, giants coming up from underneath the ground. And we know we've heard people in the government programs who definitely have, have access to underground tunnels and people in SRA rituals who have been in rituals have, have seen giants in the underground or in their rituals. And they also say, you know, you can't say the name of Jesus around them. And I think some of them may be interdimensional, you know, because they're mm -hmm. children of the, the fallen angels. And so they can't say the name of Jesus or they probably cease to be, stay in the realm. So there's all these interesting things about that. But what my daughter's dream was about, um, and, and I'll, I'm just going to read through it real quick. It's pretty short, but it's fascinating because it's actually about the wicked destroying the wicked and within the church. And and Nephi, I feel like, symbolizes the Nephilim children of the Mormon church. And the inner fight between and amongst the seed of the serpent, you know, essentially. And those are the ones that God is going to send to do the destruction work. And so she says, Nephi went to the church. And so when you hear Nephi, think of, you know, the Nephilim or the children of the Nephilim or the children of the fallen or even the dead disembodied evil spirits of the Nephilim, because they'll all be involved in this end times, you know, revelations battle. Um, saw a huge zombie, but he was brave, but he killed it because he knew he was brave, which is they're called the mighty men of renown. They're definitely, you know. She's just pointing to, I knew nothing about the Nephilim then. And, you know, this was years ago that she had this dream. And so she was getting just little pieces of the puzzle when she was like maybe five. Oh. Um, he used a lasso to kill the zombie and bring it down. The zombie landed on the church. And now when she's talking about zombies, I would say, you know, this is like the, the dead walking humans who are just dead asleep and um, bounced back and forth on the church. It knocked the church down. Okay, this is a prophecy that I've been feeling myself to before I even read this and realized what she was saying. You know, that the church is going to be taken down 
by their own. Um, and we'll go into some other stuff about a recent death that just happened with that. The zombie got back up and whistled and called for more zombies and 15 more came. Nephi got four more lassos on hands and feet and went zap at the zombies and got all of them. He worked on the church because the church fell down. He worked, 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 ate some lunch, worked, worked, worked. I feel like this is what we're seeing now is you. I just feel like what's going on in the church is they're just trying to keep us standing because it's already like starting to crumble um, because the truth is just coming out and people are leaving in droves, but they're not publicizing any of that. Right. You hear how many baptisms each year, but they don't tell you how many people have their names taken off the records. Mm-hmm. Um, so then a huge giant came and Nephi got out his slingshot and found a teensy rock and uh, threw it right in the giant's head. So this is funny because she's seen again the destruction of the giants again in the end times, um, which she she states different sizes of giants. Right. And so there's you have all the different levels. And I have I have some imagery to go along with this we'll, that we'll look at, you know, the Nephilim, the Nephal, and then the children of the Nephal and the different levels of the hybridization that happens when you get out from the origination of conception. Um, he worked, 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 and the big giant whistled and 200,000 giants came to destroy him, which I thought was interesting because there was originally 200 um, fallen that you know, left their first estate and came and created the children of men. And this was 200,000 giants. And so I feel like this is their posterity that she's pointing to in this dream. Um, he used nose, cheeks, fingers, hands, feet, toes, and more lassos to kill him. And all the giants fell down. Nephi threw the giants in the garbage. The biggest giant comes and Nephi says, I believe in myself. He digged and got a big, huge rock, put it in his slingshot, and he killed the hugest giant. He got out his sword and stabbed all the other giants in the world. And that was the end. So I just thought that was fascinating because I feel like that's what that's what we're going to see. And that's why this topic is so important, because their main key players in the end time scenario of the wars that are going to come and the ones who are starting and creating the wars, the ones that are going to come up from underground, the ones who are going to come down and say they're extraterrestrials. They're all of the same fallen. They're all related to each other. It's the children of the children of the children's children of the fallen. And they're all the ones who are. And so our, our goal as Christians is just to kind of like stay out of the mix, you know, be, and not get caught on the crossfire. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just kind of wanted to share that vision. I found I, or it was a dream. I found that. And I thought that was a fascinating little prophecy from my daughter. Um is there anything you want to say about that before? No, no. Yeah, that's very interesting. I know that people might scoff at the ideas of underground and, and whatnot. We talked about the dumbs last time. But even if you don't want to believe in that, think of the underground cities in Seattle. There's mm-hmm. a full city underneath the city and there's a full city underneath most cities just so we know that there also used yeah. to be subways in California that they used and now they don't. And it's curious because they have so many people that why not? Why would they not be just like California or I mean, New York and California? I didn't know they use subways, oh, but that's crazy because when I've gone to do land deliverance system. here, mm-hmm. yeah, when I've gone to do land deliverance here all over where I live in Southern California, I see all these t- underground tunnels. I ride past them all the yeah. time on my bike and they're really big openings and some of them 
like I went to do some deliverance on a Catholic church and was blessing the land there and walking around and dropping oil. And they're like, you look out over the back and that's where all of these big, huge, massive waterways are They're They're supposed to be tunnels for like the water. But right. I'm like, Oh, it'd sure be easy for people to just walk right through there. And they have trails that go all the way to Mexico. So I know the human trafficking here underground oh, has yeah. been huge because they have easy access to Mexico. <clears throat> But so yeah, um, then they the other have thing, a, a uh, lot of subways there that um, I don't know what the deal is, if they said they were not safe or what, but they're, they said there are 20,603 subway. Oh, wait, not hold on. That's in New York. Hold on. Let me go back. Anyway, they had a whole system that they used to use. I'll find the number, but it, yeah, it's, I'm going well to look into that because we've got those channels all over here. I just, I didn't realize they were for subways. I knew they were there, but I didn't know what they were for. So interesting. I'm going to look at that number. How many locations? Okay. Not so the other thing I, anymore. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, they're definitely not. Um, nope. the other thing that we touched on that I wanted to go a little deeper into was I had shared some things about this hermaphrodite that I had, um, had to put a catheter in, in the emergency room. And I didn't really go into why I brought that up because it, it threw me off for a really long time because I was like, okay, what's up? We were talking about the gay agenda and the rainbow and all mm -hmm. that stuff. Right. And so, um, as a Christian, as a Mormon at the time, I saw this person, you know, that had both parts. And I'll, I'll just be graphic and describe what I saw because a lot of people have no idea that this even exists right. or what it is. It's real. And for me, I was 17 years old, still in high school, working <laughs> in the emergency shock. room. And yeah. And I went into the room, they called me in and said, you know, um, it's a, <clears throat> they said a male calf in this room. So I brought in a male calf kit, undid everything, you know, lift up the blanket and go to put it in and there's no penis. And so I'm like, wait a second. I have the wrong catheter kit. How embarrassing. This is like a transsexual or what? So I grab the kit and I go out and I go back to the charge nurse and I'm like, wait, what's going on? And she's like, oh, you've never put a catheter in this person before they come in like once a month because they have testing that they need to have done or something like that. So she said, um, just go in or get a female cath. And when you get in there, you'll see it's just like a female cath. And in the ER, I was called the cath queen because I was really good at hitting the, a woman hit the spot yep. get without getting it into the wrong hole. And then Sometimes there's a lot of places and then you have to start yeah. over. Yeah. So, um, I, I go in and I got to do a full up close exploration at 17 years old of what it looks like to have, um, partially undeveloped testicles hanging down at the back of the labia menorah majora there was no labia menorah the inner it was just labia majora and then at the back you know where the testicles would form into the scrotum you know the scrotum mm -hmm. was separated into two separate parts at the back of the labia and then there was two undeveloped small testicles at the very back and then up at the top where there would be a penis there was just a really either an undeveloped penis or a incredibly large clitoris is, is what, you know, it, what looked, it looked like, like in there. <laughs> yeah. And so, and then I'd met some other people since then who had talked about how she was, it, it, well, she said she was transgendered, but she said if she was to go to the doctor and have a um, scan done of her insides, which she had opted not to do because she, they'd already done blood testing and she makes so much testosterone that they wouldn't even mm -hmm. put her on testosterone, but she, it's, it's called intersex. And so there's a lot of people who up inside of 
their uterus or their, they have testes. And so then they make like over make testosterone, but they present on the outside as a female. So this is where being a Christian, I get really confused for years and was like, I don't have answers because I can't say being gay is wrong when God makes something like this that's neither male nor female, right? So -hmm. after all these years I go through and just honestly like carrying a prayer in the back of my mind that God would make it make sense at some point. And I think I mentioned I was going to teach that class called the Two-Spirit Um because I had gotten to the point where I felt like, well, in the Indians, you know, they have these people that are born and they feel like they're neither male nor female and they kind of become, and they're unable to have children because Mm -hmm. some of them were two spirit in spirit. And it was a spiritual feeling that they had. And some people were were like two spirit in the physical kind of like this hermaphrodite, but they have been putting chemicals in our water for so long. You look at the frogs and they have frogs who have, been genetically changed, Uh they will mutate complete opposite sex. And so after all these years of me being confused and just not knowing and thinking God did this, I've come to the conclusion that I believe man did this and that this is, these are genetically modified humans because of whether it's, it's scientific medical testing, whether it's, um, what's the, what they're putting in the water in certain places. It's a form, uh, uh, they say it's connected to the hormone in, in the water. Yep. That's what they yeah. say. And that if they cannot breed, not just um, those lizards, but many other lizards and some octopus and different things, they can regenerate or they can do certain things like change their sex for to save their species. Like if they're all yeah. male and they're in a pot of all males, one will change to a female to continue life. And that's just how mm-hmm. it is. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know what they're doing to us or how, but, you know, it makes you wonder about water. It makes you wonder about vaccines. It makes you wonder about a lot of things. So, yeah, absolutely. And so that's where I kind of feel like I feel sad for, you know, this mass population of people on the earth who there's a whole intersex community oh, who yeah. it, there's variations, you know, of there's more how than this manifests. Yeah. There's more than just that. I've known a lady that yeah. had two full uteruses in one vagina and she got pregnant in both of them at different times because she ovulated separately. (laughs) And so like one baby was like four months and one baby was like seven months. And we knew it was like twins, but it wasn't, it, it wasn't twins. They were totally, it was almost like it was going to be a twin and it didn't divide correctly. And so, Oh my gosh, things can happen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then you and then you have the mm. satanic rituals where they're still calling in the fallen and breeding Nephilim. And you, if they're worshiping Baphomet and I that's another thing I've even just only started to wonder just this week as I was thinking about talking about this is is it's hard. It's it was hard for me to believe for a long time. But now I'm starting to understand more like what they can actually do through witchcraft. The powers of these fallen angels when they're um, creating, you know. They may not even need chemicals. They may be creating some of these offspring intentionally with both parts to try to mimic um, God. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, there's something that I posted on my YouTube this week, and it's from a conversation with um, a man named, um, oh gosh, now I can't think of his name, but uh, anyway, his wife, Erica, I I have a bunch of stuff posted about them and I've watched, they have a 22 part 
that they're still releasing parts on documentary. She she was trained up in witchcraft in her family, and he was almost inducted into the Illuminati through music. But they're Christians now, and they're out of um, <clears throat> I can't remember the African country. But he was reading from the Bible and really expounding on some things that I knew and understood in my spirit, but I didn't know how to vocalize it because I had seen this in vision before. But it makes a lot of sense how God is, when he created Adam and Eve, how they were created in his image. And there's been a lot of people talking to me about this lately, sending me messages like, hey, oh my gosh, we're androgynous. It says they, them, you know, and people are claiming Mm -hmm. they're they, them now. And it says he created them male and female. And it's like, oh, we're both, you know, because you've got the whole yin and yang. And so people talk about how we're male and female energies. Well, Bubba, that's his name. Uh, He, not Bubba. Oh, sorry. (laughs) I'm so bad with names sometimes, but um, they're, they're amazing. You'll find the video. If you follow my Instagram, go watch it because he, the what, the way he explains, he he reads it from the scripture and he goes into the Hebrew and the way he explains the division when God created Adam, when he created his spirit, Eve was still inside of him. And then he, when, so when he created Adam in his physical body, because one of the verses when it says he created them, I think in Genesis one, and then in Genesis two is when they're in the garden. So first he created, created his spirit and he created them male and female. And that's within one spirit being but that's not androgyny this is where like the baphomet thing comes in and does this counterfeit of trying to make it oh they're both you know it's like she was birthed inside of him and so then um and he talks about how they were created inside of god they were birthed inside of god their spirits and then he creates their bodies and well first he creates adam and when he named the animals Eve was still inside of him. And then he goes into the words that were used when he formed Adam or when he built Eve, which were two different words. And then he, you know, he took her out of him by the rib. And so he goes into this details. Well, it's just fascinating because I feel like that's what this whole gay agenda, trans agenda, the, the fallen angels agenda, the twisting and um, counterfeiting of everything that God created to be holy and pure has been made into something filthy and and this weird counterfeit like baphomet idea that one being ha- is breasts and a penis you know mm-hmm. weird stuff like that and and so it's just fascinating to me that that well, because yeah that- they didn't become a they just like the yin yang okay it would be just nothing if it wasn't together as a whole so they are a them when they come together and make the whole spirit like together the masculine and the feminine coming together and that's what yes right and that's what he talks about with because this this specific episode where he talks about it's about sex magic Mm -hmm. so he's talking about the sacredness of sex and how Mm -hmm. you know essentially every woman is create every man is created with his his partner inside of him we have a chosen one like adam was given eve a specific person your spouse is birthed inside of you. And so um, that's what my post is about, How why I don't really believe in dating anymore because I feel like we're we're on a hunt. Adam should be on a hunt for his missing rib. Eve is trying to find the man that whose rib she is missing from, you know. And, and there's the, a specific person that he created us with a whole purpose. And so when you come together in a sexual union, he talks about how you literally leave, that's what the climax is, is when you leave your body, you you meet with God. It's a, it's a meeting with God and that's what the bliss is 
comes from Mm -hmm. and how you're supposed to be able to have visions and creation in that experience. Um, So anyway, I highly recommend people go watch that episode 22 on um, it's called life is spiritual. The whole series is amazing, but this specific part just really spoke to me in this journey of trying to figure out what, what is this thing that I saw and, and what does that mean about if there is more than a male or a female yeah. or, or two sexes or, um, you know, wh- how, how does being gay fit into all of that? And it's, and we, it's I mean, again, it's so pushed too. there's huge agendas. There's, I mean, it, it's so hard to know, isn't it? Like our daughter's gay and we constantly say, okay, that may be your choice, but we don't do, we don't do groups here. Like we're not flying a flag. I don't fly one for my straight son. <laughs> Like, come on. Yeah. And she's very like the same way. She doesn't like it either. She's like, just because I'm gay doesn't mean I want to go be a part of some weird thing. Or like my other niece, I've tried to do this with her with Black Lives Matter because she's half black. And I'm like, you guys know this is all just crap, right? Like no matter what, at the end of the day, like that doesn't make you you. That doesn't make you you. Like, come on, you know, and they want these kids in boxes, like all these little boxes so that they can. Yeah conform. It's all about conformity, really, when they make them believe it's about not conforming and rebelling. And that's the beauty in it. Because what do teenagers and stuff want to do? They want to rebel, but it's really not. Because if everyone's the same, then you're really not rebelling. Like, well, so, and I'm not saying there's no gay. Mom. I'm not saying there's no gay people that feel gay inside or anything like that. I'm just saying for the teenager agenda. That's all I'm saying. on yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Well, and so since I was a teenager, young teenager, my mom talked to me about the Illuminati's gay, like trans agenda, how there was literally an agenda to, you know, set out to turn people from one. And she would have known, you know, she had insider mm-hmm. information. I always just thought it was like her little shows she would listen right. to on the side that she found stuff out. But over the years, I've realized she, she was very preemptive with all of her information. She had insight into the future, you know, before it became a thing in the public and was being talked about because what whatever her role is in, you know, that group, she's she knows the agendas that are coming because. Well, the and if you, yeah, if you look at like the their own. Movie, no. Yeah. Look at the movie stars like from the olden days. And back then they could get away with it with a good boob job because everybody was kind of thin. And if you go back and look at some of these people, they got straight up Adam's apples and the collarbones. I mean, we got some Michelle Obama's over there too. Oh yeah. You know, and some of them would be like really surprising to people. And I don't really care, like whatever you choose to do, but like, I care about what's behind it. Like what you're saying, like they're pushing us to be like the Nephilim, like they were neither male or female. So, okay, there you go. Like, and also the last time humanity was messed with and they started creating things they shouldn't, including chimeras and humans, uh, God came back. So I'm assuming that they're trying to get enough under his skin that he'll be like, okay, let's go, you know? Well, and yeah, like you said, they, the, the angels, um, are androgynous a lot, Mm -hmm. a lot of them, I would assume the ones, especially the ones that were never intended to create these watchers who came down and laid. So, so it also could be, you know, we're just doing conjecture here, but it also could be their children, you know, don't end up fully one or the other because it's, it's a counterfeit spirit. And so you yeah. end up with a, they can present human. 
they can present as whatever they want, but truly they are neither male nor female in their spirit, but they can take over or be, I mean, you have to remember they can be what they want to be. They can show up to you as an alien or an angel. They can show up to you right. as a, these angels grandma. are shapeshifters. Yeah. Yeah. And so. I'm sure that's how, that's how <laughs> the actual shapeshifters that we have here, you know, are get that ability from their parents, mm -hmm. the fallen. Yep. So, so, um, Anyway, uh, moving on to the curses of leprosy that we were talking about le last time. And I, I didn't get too far in my study there, but definitely enough just to be able to say, and I think everybody probably knows this, but the, cur the curse of leprosy, talking about how they would go away white as snow, um, was always from sin. It was a curse of sin. And in Miriam's case, who was Moses' sister, when she went away white as snow. It was because her and Aaron were judging Moses's wife because she was Ethiopian. Mm. Like she, she was in judgment. Like, well, what me, me and Aaron, we both prophesied. Why do we have to believe what Moses is saying right now? It, you know, are we not prophets too? And this is when God came and was like, no, like, Moses is away oh just because you have a gift of prophecy. Moses is my prophet and struck her with leprosy. And that was when she went away white as snow. But I just found it really interesting that it's because she was judging his wife. It says right in there that because she was Ethiopian. Hmm. And so it's, it's early on, they were having, you know, seed war. Where are you from? Who's your parents? What's your blood? What's your race? What's your ethnicity? And, um, it didn't necessarily say anything about who this Ethiopian's gods were. Um, right. but, but then you go into the book of Mormon and we talked about some interesting things that were said in the book of Mormon. We so do. you looked up and tried to find that. So I would love I for have you to it. share. Yes, I found it <laughs> just a couple of them, um, because we don't have a, a whole lot of time to spend on this, but I did want to say a lot of people were asking, where do we find this in the Book of Mormon? We can't find it. Well, that's because it's been removed. So third Nephi, or let's see, second Nephi chapter five in 1920s said the rebellious cursed with a dark skin. In 1981, it was revised to the Lamanites are cursed, receive a skin of blackness and become a scourge unto the Nephites. And in 2013, it is now, well, and I don't think they've done it since then, but I'm unsure of that. But in 2013, it says the Lamanites are cut off from the presence of the Lord, are cursed, and become a scourge unto the Nephites. They took out the skin of blackness. That's one. The second one was Mormon chapter five. The Lamanite, Lamanites shall be a dark, filthy, and loathsome people. And they changed it to the Lamanites and took out all that in the middle will be scattered and the spirit will cease to strive with them. Nothing about being dark anymore. Even though we were taught about this when we were kids, this was in the Book of Mormons. If you can find old Book of Mormons, it's there, but they are um, wiping it from their history as they have done so many times. The Book of Mormon has been revised and hundreds of times. What about where it talked about being white, white and delightsome or fair and delightsome? Did that is actually um, from the prophets speaking. So Brigham Young was one that spoke of being white and delightsome. And his quote was, uh, buy up all the native children that we can so we can convert them and make them white and delightsome. And Ezra Taft Benson also said, we have had success with our uh, Lamanite brothers who have come and been 
baptized and become more white and delightsome. These are at talks that they've given. And that's only two that I can pull like right out of my brain, but there's a bunch. I mean, there's, yeah, you can find a so lot. The, <clears throat> um, oh, my brain just went blank. Um, well, essentially what we, what we were talking about last time, why we bring this up is because we were talking about how, um, you know, slavery and how, if anything, they enslaved, you know, the black man because they were these original Hebrews and they were God's chosen people, the darker skinned ones and how everything since history has been changed, has been turned that like, you know, oh, that the light skin or the white skin is greater. And especially in Mormonism, there was this big focus on it. It was something that was definitely talked about often, but yeah, the fact that they're changing all of this, that it was in the book of Mormon, that it was talked about and that it seems to be the way the Mormons talked about it is backwards from what like the true history was and what the Bible says about, you know, the Gentiles who would be more the Americans or the white people or the, um, unchosen tribe uh <laughs> right which there's the Jews and the Gentiles and the first shall be last and the last shall be first so it's it's that's I think oh, that's boy. where the Book of Mormon borrows the idea from the covenant moving from oh, one to the other I just but second Nephi still says to this day second Nephi 521 and he had caused the cursing to come upon them yea even a sore cursing because of their iniquity for behold they had hardened their hearts against him and they had become like unto a flint so black, flint or black, wherefore, as they were white and exceedingly fair and delightsome, that they may not be enticing unto the people of the Lord God, because he did cause a skin of blackness to come upon them. Yeah. Wow. See, there you go. Yep. Continues second Nephi 12 through 15 as well. Yeah. Well, and that's the exact opposite of what the Book of Mormon, or the sorry, the Bible says about when the curse of leprosy, it was always they went away white and their skin turned mm -hmm. white as snow, and that, that was the curse, you know. So, the only times um, in the Bible and, we see the white people originally was albinism, like Noah, or leprosy, or some kind of weird thing that had happened. It it wasn't that wasn't a thing. I mean. Brown and black people were way more common. And so, yeah. Yep. Noah the albino. There we go. So, yeah, they were, they were scared. And it, it talks about in Enoch's record. We won't read through all this, but if no. you want to go look it up, it's right there <laughs> where um, it talks about how Enoch, you know, they were worried about him when he was born. Um you know, wondering the, the birth of Noah is recorded in similar mystical terms as, as the ones who brought forth the giants, you know, they were worried because he would had this countenance glorious. And as he looks as if he not belonged to me, but to the angels, I am afraid lest something miraculous should take place in the earth, you know, cause it was a sign of his, you know, greatness. Of well, and I would say, you know, and of the fallen. Yeah. They, they were white. I mean, and I haven't fully read through this all. I would say it would be a mark to to tell that that was he he was a prophet to them because his work was to go and prophesy to them that the world was going to be flood flooded and that they needed to repent and that you know. But we know that his bloodline was pure. He he did come from a pure bloodline, but um, you know, it just seems almost like this 
this different that, prophecy. That they were scared of that because of his looks, but that's not, but they compare it to the angels because they didn't have anything else to compare it to. So well, I well, and I almost like, like yeah. he needed to look, he needed to look like them to be able to go and prophesy to them, you know, to, right. so that he could almost like a, a mark on him of being similar to them. Um, because that was, that was who most of his work was, was too, was trying, not even trying to convert. Like it's interesting. Cause they say, I might mention this last time that Noah was, you know, a prophet for a hundred and whatever, 20, 80 years it was that he was building the ark or he, he was e- evangelizing and didn't have one convert, but mm-hmm. his, his work was to warn that they would be destroyed. I don't, I, you know, obviously he wouldn't have been building the ark if anybody was going to be saved. God knew he was going to be wiping the, um, entire earth out, but this, yeah, this is interesting. And that's, um, you can look that up online if you want to read through that whole thing, but that validates, you know, that it's, it's a worrisome thing that people, Mm -hmm. people go, it wasn't the normal means for sure. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, okay. So let me just stop my share here and where'd my notes go? Um, before we move on, I'm trying to see if that was the last thing we wanted to cover. Yeah. Before. Okay. So let's move over and talk about what's going on right now in the, um, kind of SRA communications about, um, well, let's see. Sorry. Just give me one second to pull the screen up. While she's pulling that up, I did find that in uh, LA, it was in 1955 that they shut down the subways because they said that they were not done correctly and that they were dangerous. So there is a whole system (laughs) underneath, not just there, but many places I'm certain uh, mm-hmm. that have the tunnels for subways in downtown's LA subway tunnels. So yeah, yeah, they, wow. they have it there. So not just there, I'm sure a lot of places. Yeah. All right. Well, so, um, can you see my screen now? Mm-hmm. Yep. Are we on this? Okay. So there is this couple in the Mormon, well, they're how do I where how should I explain them? The LDS, yeah. Pre- President Nelson, who is the Mormon prophet right now, Russell M. Nelson, his son-in-law, and I think I'm I think I touched on this last time. We didn't go too deep into it, but his son-in-law and daughter were accused of uh, Brenda and Dick Miles, uh, um, accused of perpetrating many, many victims. I mean, I think they said there was at least 16 that came forward and it was connected to, um, this book called paper dolls. And, um, this talks about, so in paper dolls, there's, this is a book that's not in print anymore. You can't even find it. And there's pseudonyms throughout the whole story. And so it's kind of complicated. Um, but rumor has it, and I full well believe it, that because it fits the same story of what is happening in these prosecutions in the news right now, not even right. Well, I shouldn't say right now because it's been swept under the rug. But um, 
this book is supposed to be about these same people, Brenda and Dick Miles. And this was written in, was it night? Well, let's see. I don't know if it was written in 1996, but I mean, it was written some time ago. And the the same family is the same family that was brought up and everything in the neighborhoods when the Glenn Pace papers and the satanic panic in the early days. So, so you've got the people who came out in, see what I want to point out here is if you look at the dates here on these websites, you've got the 2020, there's one in 2022. This is just somebody who's bringing it back up, who's talking about it. But since 2020, when, you know, the lockdown came about, you've got 2018, 20, these are all pretty old articles. We're in 2023 and we've got 2018 and 2020. This stuff was being talked about. Um, because of COVID, it got pushed under the rug and it didn't get really pushed into the mainstream. You've got the couple right here. This is them. And they're um, very white and delightsome. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. And she and she it. she's got a little bit of the red head thing yeah. going on. She's very yeah. fair. Yeah. For yep. Sure. And and so this couple, if you read the stories, I mean, it's insane what they've been accused of. Um, I won't go into all of it, but like um, right here, it says. Uh, the most recent example of accusations against the Mormon church leadership involves the current president of the church, Russell M. Nelson. Nelson's a retired surgeon. Well, I won't read all that. Um, it, it was reported that a lawsuit was attempting to force Nelson to testify regarding allegations of his daughter and son-in-law, which had been involved in sexual abuse of children. Um, and they called them Jane Doe and John Doe in, you know, most of the stuff in the news, because of course he was trying to keep his name out of the mixed, mm -hmm. uh, out of the mix. And so this Richard Miles, Dick Miles, he's the one that my dad was locker partners with at the temple when they worked at the temple together and was going to open up a grocery store with him. Oh, wow. And, um, so 1985, a, a man only identified as a perpetrator in the court case that court papers sexually abused his children. The law suit claims a 16 year old babysitter was both victim and abuser and later committed suicide. So there's just some really shady stuff in this case. It goes in, and she was suicided. To <laughs> no, right? we don't have any proof of that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're just saying she, well, <laughs> and so then, <clears throat> then the reason that I bring this up right now is because the video that I posted that's going to hit, um, well, by the time, by the time this gets out, you guys will already probably, you know, hopefully you've already seen it, but, um, there's a video that I'm publishing on my channel. Um, that is, so go. this man, David Hamblin, he's huge in the news right now. Everybody's talking about, um, him, you know, being the Satanist who, uh, set, satanically ritually abused his own daughters and many other people and affiliated with, um, a bunch of other people in the Mormon church, including David Levitt, who yeah, is Levitt, a politician. Levitt ran for his lace in Scotland. <laughs> right. Yeah. He took off and yeah. left when this all came about, but so, okay. So the reason I bring this up is because this is a distraction 
And they are making David Hamblin out to be the fall guy for the entire Mormon church. And it bothers me because everybody's talking about this right now. And this has been going on for 10 years. And you've got people like Goel who are out there just digging up every single thing they can on it, going on to podcasts, talking about this David Hamblin case. Why isn't anybody talking about Dick and Brenda Miles? And why did that just get brushed under the rug? You know, this this is what the church does. They'll they let have to so take much the out. heat. Well, they have to take the heat off the prophet. That's just the truth. And yeah. then all the and, stuff and he, coming he's out. He's not a general authority. So he's yeah. he's they want yep. him to, you know, be the one in the spotlight because he's not a general authority, though. They don't want well, the and he church looks bad to fall. because then, oh, he did drugs and oh, this and that. And also on top of it, you know, they don't want any more focus on Nelson because he's a Skull and Bones member. He's an Alan Key member. His stuff looks really shady. And people are paying attention. And so they've got to do a big thing away from all that. And so, of course, this guy just pissed off the wrong person. He's taking the fall for everything. Levitt got the heck out of here and they just served him up on a platter. So that's yep. how I feel. That's that's right. And that's what's going on. You've got the their agenda in the works, you know. And so mm-hmm. you have... Um, and that's the next thing I want to move to is all these little agendas that are going on right now you've got um so here oh here's here's paper dolls just let me go into this for another second so in 2018 the cardston children which are named in this book this this is just a um from a review on amazon of the book which isn't really even available anymore but uh these are these are supposedly the um decipher alias names from the book but he says in in 2018 the cardston children then adults brought a lawsuit against m russell m nelson's daughter and son-in-law brenda and dick miles they were in the same ward with the cardstons in 1985 bill was the clerk and dick was the counselor in the bishopric marion in 2004 reported the name reported the miles explicitly paper dolls only gave hints the book explained how the organized sex ring led by giant and the witch were making child porn marion's report told how the police called brenda miles well in advance of their search warrant giving her enough time to destroy any evidence um so yeah you just see yeah they set they set them up they the church brushed it away because the point of this is, is that why is that so important? Because like we talked about last time, you don't just start molesting children as a grown adult. Like this couple is from generational incest. And so when you have the prophet of the Mormon church's daughter being accused of this stuff, and if you go read the reports, like people always go, well, there's no proof. I can't stand listening to podcasts when there's people on there going, well, I don't know. Where's the proof? Nobody's ever proven. It's like, yeah, these satanic. Because they drop the keys. Yeah, they yeah. put it under. And if rug. there is if there is proof, their their gatekeepers hide it. Mm-hmm. And well, let's be you, real. You, Who, you... Who's who's the Masons? Oh, they're the attorneys, the judges, the doctors. Really, right. we're going to get a fair trial, right? 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 Okay. And even when you do have proof for a child saying, "Hey, like you know, people who you have you've heard a ch- child themselves say, yes, this person was molesting me," and you go to the police and you have a child telling the police, "This is what they did to me," and they go, "Well, we can't prove it." They still say that crap, you know. And so it doesn't matter if you have proof. When I read stuff like this, and you go and you read the allegations, and they are detailed exp- stuff that you couldn't 
makeup if you wanted to because your brain it's so weird. like fathom that yeah. kind of weird ass shit without mm-hmm. um you know very clear experiences then you go okay this is legit you know and so that's I'm like I don't I don't need a prosecution to believe that this is going on within their family and when his own daughter as an adult is sexually abusing children then that tells me something about who her father is and what was done to her as a child. And looking at the generational iniquity on a bloodline is incredibly important when it comes to families right now, which a lot of our brains haven't processed. You know, first thing when somebody comes to me as an adult and starts talking to me about what was done to them as a child or how they acted out as an adult um, in, in having issues in the relationship or trauma that they have as an adult, you know, I always go, who was touching you or who was touching your parents or them, you know, you have to go through the chain because it doesn't just come out of nowhere. So, um, here's some of the articles and I'll put some of these in the description box. Um, so you can go and look into this, but the LDS church president at the center of decades, old sex abuse, cover up allegations. And there's, um, I mean, March 9th, 1980 something. This is what was said to them by Neil a Maxwell, Um, A former member of the church's quorum of 12, who has since passed away, gave them a blessing and told them to forgive and forget when they came forward, the victims, you know, talking about, hey, the prophet's daughter and son-in-law have been abusing me. So, of course, their gatekeeper, you know, the um, whoever, they just send a general authority in and cover it up and soothsay it away. They have to get rid of that one because it's too close. It's too close to the profit. There's yeah. no way. Yep. So yep. this is, if you want to talk about something, you know, who cares about David Hamblin? I, I, my video, I did peyote with him and I've been talking about that. I hadn't talked about that in the past, but I'm releasing this information now. This interview was done back in June. Um, and I got threatened to be sued. It's really interesting because I actually put the video in of the girl who threatened to sue me of the video, the video that she sent me on Marco Polo of her, like listing all of these names that she said she didn't list. And the reason that she came trying to sue me after I brought up her name. So there's a video of her in there, but I blurred her face and changed her voice. So she doesn't have anything to say now, but it proves that, you know, her little lawsuit that she came at me with was a joke. Um, But that was all about what what I was t- talking about was having sat in a peyote ceremony under David Hamblin having served it. And yeah, he's a horrible guy. The stuff that he did to his children are nasty. But th- what they're trying to do is make it so Goel, Goel is out there pushing this idea that within the Mormon church, and he's given it his own little name, which is just annoys me, actually, because he calls it the LDS satanic cult inside that's hidden as imposters inside of the Mormon church. That's not the only one. There's a few that are going off and talking about it like that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. There's other podcasters and people who Mm -hmm. you can see because they're, they're all saying the same stuff, tooting the same horn, telling Mm -hmm. the same story, regurgitating the exact same stuff. And it's all focused on David Hamblin. And their whole job is to make it look like, oh, there's this little church with this couple politicians and a couple weird peyote guys. And and they've, you know, molested a whole bunch of people within the church. So that's what you're hearing about, you know, and it's like, no, this goes all the way to the highest echelons. The high, you've got your prophet and all of his 
12. I actually had an insider source that I can't talk about, but somebody who called me and said they have intel of the entire 12, the 12, the general authorities of all mm. of their rituals that are going on. They have times, dates, places, witnesses. And what they said is the problem is, is they can't find anybody to persecute. They brought right. proof and information and they can't find anybody who will prosecute. Nope, because Why? they're all uh, all Mormon. Yeah, and I had I had to tell him. I said, "Well, that's because you've got gatekeepers. Every one of your judges is a gatekeeper. Set in that point, you know, elected, probably chosen before his birth. You're going to go into this position. You're going to go to law school. You're going to become a judge. You're going to cover this for us. They they plan for years and years in advance and give people these assignments. And so that's where we're at the point now. You've got nearly every cop, nearly every um attorney they're they're all freemasons and so they're all going to cover and bury this for everyone at the very top and if they don't they're going to end up dead you know and so yep. they they don't have any power or control to do anything which is why you better get into your bible you better get into prayer you better learn spiritual warfare because this stuff is not going away and it's so huge and it's all the way to the top so you know more people need to quit talking about if you're out there and you're not part of the agenda you need to quit talking about that about david hamlin and start talking about Russell M. Nelson and exposing the beast for who he is all the way to the top because it just bothers me how that's been brushed under the rug, you know, because so then you go over and you see this is all of the um, stuff on David Hamblin and it's all 2023. In his case, his case is old too. His case is as old as the other one, you know, his, his, the, the one guy who accused him of sodomy in his office, this guy, um, He's an adult now. He's like a grown man, you know, and it's like, and why are we still talking about this? These are all current in the news, but all, all this other stuff is all old, you know? So it's like, there's an agenda there clearly. And here's it, where it names David Levitt, David Le Levitt. Um, and isn't it interesting how their names are always David? Did you mm -hmm. know that, um, the, the, they call it the key of David, the sodomy ritual. They, they oh, say they're really? giving them the key of David. So that's probably mm. that so Solomonic magic. Is that how you say it? Wow. Um, they, these people David... love to name their children Bible names, especially David. Look it I, I think also it means something just, doesn't it? Definition. Yeah, probably. I don't. Let's see. The name, David? Yeah, the actual name. It uh what is the Bible? I'll find it. I think it means something about just. Well, let me see. I'll find out. Uh favorite means favorite. Beloved or yep. favorite. So that's also interesting. Right. But so the they'll, next they'll pin things Michael, on people okay. that are really old, you know, just because yeah. or or to take away or somebody they're not going to be able to pro I'll tell you, unless they have absolute proof, they're not going to get the one guy that you did peyote, peyote with because he's protected under religious um, persecution laws, not because he's LDS because he broke off the LDS and said he was like a, a healer, witch doctor type thing. I don't know exactly what he called himself, but like, unless they have an underage person that's willing to come forth, I don't know what they're going to do, you know? Well, yeah, a lot of these people, it, it, whether or not they ever get prosecuted and the statute of limitations, honestly, the least of my, yeah. not the least of my worries, but I don't expect, you know, a, this, 
it says in the Bible, a kingdom divided can't stand. And Satan, the satanic beast system has infiltrated the entire government. And so, no, they're not going to prosecute their own. And if they do, it's just to make it look like, well, see, we did something to somebody. And then that's right. your fall guy. And there's yep. a million other people behind him who are way higher and more dangerous than that person. Absolutely. Um, I was going to try to find there was something here in one of the articles. Now I can't remember which one it was, but it talked about how... Um, Dick Nelson was upset because um, they, the chart, the charges, you know, they changed the law in Utah where the statute of limitations, I guess, was extended. And so that's why they were going to allow. And that, that was his argument. I had it pulled up on one of these. That was his argument was that um, here it is. The Miles brought a motion to dismiss, arguing that the new 2015 statute extending the time to sue perpetrators was unconstitutional, which pisses me off because, honestly, I don't think there should be a statute of limitations no, when it not comes to that. sexual abuse, Mm-mm. especially where you know that they're they're fracturing people's minds and, and they intentionally Mm-mm. put them into these DID, multiple personalities, and, and then they can't and retain because they, and, they, fractured, yeah. they fractured. So by the time they remember... They, they specifically set these um, statutes of limitations according to when they know the DID programming usually breaks and the memories start coming back. Well, it's too late. Mm, now yep. you have your memories back. That's not usually till to late thirties, too bad. Early forties. Yep. That's yeah. So it's intentional for sure. So they <laughs> say our case was stayed so that the very issue could be determined by the Utah Supreme Court in Mitchell versus Roberts. Our case was eviscerated when it was determined that these claims could not be revived and that this statute was unconstitutional. And uh, with with the case dismissed with prejudice, it is difficult to imagine how the public might learn if the accusations were true. And clearly, no one will be held accountable for the alleged crimes. That I mean, they, they changed the law and they were like, oh, that law is not um, fair. You just changed that law. And so now we're going to get it. And so they just dismissed it. It's like, Mm. and then people are out there voting and like, we got to change the laws and we got it. It's like, no, we're in the book of revelations. Like that's not happening. (laughs) Right. You got to get get to the spiritual warfare. Yep. So the next crazy thing that we've got going on is yesterday. M. Russell Ballard, Mormon leader and second in line to church presidency, dies at 95. Did you know about this? Yes. Yes. Just this morning, though. Okay. So um, you've got, which is the reason this is interesting is because we talk a lot about Tim Ballard, right? And so I have exposed for years that I knew um, Tim Ballard's um CFO for several years was my an old best friend of mine it was her husband and so they used to fly his team around on their plane and they were friends with them and they had a house here and a house in Utah my friend did and so they were back and forth and she would always tell me stories so I had before any of this stuff was in the news I knew a lot of the stuff I knew that Tim was seasoned in visiting psychics that he had a psychic that picks out his clothes every day for him, Hmm. that he had psychics who try to help him locate children. And um, what she had told me is that M. Russell Ballard, 
once a month, Tim Ballard was required to go and meet with him um, to report to him how they were doing in their, you know, work in, in, with OUR. Finding him kids. Which I thought, <laughs> yeah, even then I thought that was so weird. I was like, right. why would you need to meet with him? And then they try to act like they're not related. There's no way that somehow they're not related. They're like, oh, there's no relation. <laughs> um, okay, so check this. I had the opportunity this past summer to travel to Plymouth, Massachusetts with my friend Tim Ballard to learn more about what he had learned regarding Nephi's vision of these early pilgrims and how their history corroborates Nephi's vision at the opportunity. Okay, what is, he calls him his friend, first of all. And so obviously they have a little secret relationship going on. And so I'll just, I just got to say this right up front. What I believe is going on with Tim Ballard is that I believe, I, I also have somebody who just, before all of this came out, he was going on missions. He just recently went on a mission um, for Tim Ballard just a few months ago before really all of it was right when Sound of Freedom hit and everybody started going, oh, Tim's a Freemason, you know. And um, so he knows he, he he told me straight up they don't rescue kids and, and they don't claim to rescue kids. A lot of people don't realize that. They don't claim to rescue kids. They claim to go and locate children and then they work with the local government to try to get their local police or whatever involved to rescue the kids. So I think what they're doing is, is procuring if being the finders, if we find them, then they work with the local government to get them. And then they, they only work in other countries. Why? Because they don't have the birth certificates. So it's really easy for child trafficking. And we know, you know, if, if the Mormon religion is one of the, um, here, we've got it right here. Um, the, the organizations that was exposed as being the child trafficking networks, the Masons, which is, you know, the priority of Scion, the Templars, Grand High Lodge leaders, the Catholic Mm -hmm. church, the Mormons, the cabal and the Satanists. So if they're set up to traffic children and you've got Tim Ballard and Russell Ballard meeting to try to, um, talk about rescuing children, the only natural assumption would be that they're helping funnel children to the Mormon church, you know, from Mm -hmm. these other countries because they don't have birth certificates. They can't, you can't track these children from these other countries. And Tim doesn't ever come out and show all these children that he saved. He's been doing it for years, millions and millions of dollars. And he has literally nothing to show for it. And they're, and they're so so showy about everything. Don't you think they would have took a picture? Like, come on. Right. I mean, well, and they that's what- are always like, look at the turkeys that we bought or look at the stuff that we did or look at the money that we gave and look at the receipts. Like they're very showy people. And so I can't and imagine it, and- that you wouldn't have took a picture. Come on. So the, uh, yeah. And the things that they say is well for their protection, for their anonymity, you know, mm-hmm. we can't, you which can't is learn. a lie because you've got right there. It's just a lie because there's a guy named Troy Brewer who's a Christian pastor pastor, and he actually does what Tim claims to be doing in his ministry. He doesn't have a whole team. He just kind of does it himself through his ministry and has a group of people in other countries that help him, but he actually does build homes. He actually does have centers and he's there all the time and he actually puts out videos of it and the children are always on the videos and they're running around and, and it's like, 
Tim's full of crap if he's telling you mm-hmm. that because just go look at what Troy Brewer's doing and you can compare notes and see what right. it really looks like when you're actually rescuing children in other countries. So now listen to this one. Library with thousands upon thousands of, of volumes and, and books. I was in there just taking it all in. So that right there, you have t- Ballard and Ballard right there together working on their, you know, their political things. And um, who, who was it? I just read something. It was, I think, I got to go to the article. I think that President Ballard is, oh, he's a, the great, great grandson of Hiram Smith. Oh, hmm. which is Joseph Smith's brother, everybody, just so you know. Right. Right. So um, you've got the bloodline, the Joseph Smith mm-hmm. bloodline, which we've suspected is, you know, a, a Nephilim hybrid bloodline. And it just and now he's dead. And yeah, and that's, so that's you've something. got. Um, let's see, where is it right here where they started getting in their argument? Uh Church of Jesus Christ, Ballard says he has never released tithing records to OUR or any other organization. They are responding to what is alleged because Tim Ballard started, you know, making these claims, um, a new fight, a new filing in a lawsuit against Tim Ballard and Operation Underground Railroad contains the jaw dropping assertion about a senior leader that of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Um Let's see. What was it that he said that he had done? I know it's in one of these posts. Let's see. Yeah, it says they have no relation right here. No relation, which I don't, I really just don't believe that. It's not a coincidence. Mm-mm. There's always something. Well, look how friendly. Hmm. Repent. <laughs> Repent. I don't buy it. Um, I know, right? Uh, let's see. Is it this one? Uh, referencing learning more. Okay, no. Uh, one of uh, one is it this one? According to Tim Ballard, he pro- oh yeah yeah he presented the couple's ruse plan to M Russell Ballard who thought it was brilliant and specifically sanctioned the strategy. Okay. So this is what I've been talking about. I've been saying, look in these brotherhoods, what God's been telling me is no, we're the wicked's going to destroy the wicked. These brother men destroy that. They don't like each other and they turn on each other. And, you know, Ballard puts this movie out, thinks he's going to run for president. And another thing that he said in, um, one of his ketamine, um, he goes and does ketamine and then goes under and does like these prophetic like channelings with this hmm. person. I can't remember who it is. That Which is it. like so- completely not part of the church. They totally say, oh, you shouldn't do that. Blah, blah, blah. Which I mean. Yeah. Well, so- none of the stuff he does is. I mean, he's using psychics and he's. Yeah. So so it says that he believes that he's going to be the prophet to reign in the millennium. And of the Mormon church that Tim Ballard, and then also, you know, that he's going to be the next president. So he's going to be the prophet and the president. And all of a sudden he's in a fight with M. Russell or Tim with, what's his name? With Ballard, the other Ballard, the the general authority. They're fighting it in the media because Hmm. Tim Ballard exposes him and says he backed him up on some stuff. Now it puts the church in a bad light. So 
I, I mean, I don't know whose hands are dirty, but if you right. go watch DJ Norman on my channel, he exposes himself watching Nelson Monson, a bunch of these prophets kill. Mm. And, and he says, whenever one of them dies, it's always a sacrifice. None of them die of natural causes. They could, they cut off their finger because they're skull and bones. They take the finger and they, and he also said that that's what's in the box on the temple altars. It's not prayer names that it's, um, bones. Hmm. So anyway, point is, uh, president, president Ballard is dead. M Russell Ballard. That's why I was getting mixed up. Cause he has Russell, the same name as oh, Russell yeah. Nelson, which is a last name, a family last name. So there's probably some relation there as well. Um, and he's also, Oh yeah. Like I said, he's, he's the great, great, great grandson of Joseph Smith. So they all say they, they will actually talk about how they are believe that they are, um, direct descendants of Jesus Christ. They're not, they're direct mm -hmm. descendants of Joseph Smith. Yeah. And most of them, you can't do anything if you're not one of these Joseph Smith bloodlines. So, mm -hmm. which I think is why they were so involved in the tests and genealogy, even though they say it's for their posterity and, to do all that. I just think there's way more to that than they let on way more. Mm -hmm. Do you know anything about the book visions of glory? And have you ever, have we talked about that at all? Uh, -uh. No. no. So there, there was an author, I think I talked about, Oh, actually the, yeah. The reason that I want to touch on this is because my interview that is going to be coming out today at five o'clock, which by the time this releases, it'll already be out. But um, so I talk about in that interview, a man named that wrote a book under a pseudonym Spencer, but his name is, um, Tom Harrison. And he wrote this book called visions of glory. And it was a really popular book in the Mormon church. Um, gosh, when I was still married, maybe 10 years ago. And it was when, Everybody was like doing prepping and talking end time stuff and Julie Rowe and um, the, is his name Chad? The one who killed. Oh, Daybell. They killed mm -hmm. his yep. Daybell. Yeah. Like these people were, were all kind of in these groups. And, and so the Daybell case, um, they were really big on this book, Visions of Glory. Like, in fact, when she was arrested, when they came or when they came to her in, I think it was Hawaii and found her sitting there in a bathing suit, like to say, you better produce your children. Mm -hmm. They were already dead. She was holding that book, reading it, Visions of Glory. It was oh, like wow. she used it like a Bible, you know, she Ew. lived by it. And I actually read that book several times and I realized, like, I think that book messed me up <laughs> and in, in a way for a while, you know, but the thing is, is I just. I was doing all my prepping stuff because the church had commanded us to, it was part mm -hmm. of, you know, it was literally like they said, Oh, it's a commandment. You need to have a year's worth of food storage. And a so, um, anyway, that book is interesting. Cause that guy, he was my therapist and I talk about this in the other interview and I've questioned, is he good? Is he bad? I don't know. Well, the woman in that interview that I expose, um, who there's a video in it and she knows a lot of these people because she helped a lot of SRA victims. She actually texted me a message after she saw my interview before she, just before she threatened to sue me. 
Oh, geez. She before I think she was watching my interview, texting me, messaging me. And I hadn't talked to her for years because we kind of had a falling out. But then she happened on my interview within the first hour it was re- was released. And she knows a lot of Mormon SRA victims because she was a reprogrammer therapist. And so I got a message from her. And here it is. She says, hold on. I just heard your interview last communication I had with you. You were accusing me of being a Satanist. I'm not even going to respond to that. Oh, that was because actually I was, I didn't accuse her of being a Satanist. I just thought her family was in on it because she said some things to me that made it really clear. And that if you go watch this other video, that'll make sense. But this is the point. She said, I want you to know that Tom Harrison was the therapist who helped push memories down for the Covens in the nineties. Every client I have had named him. He is not safe. Just want you to be aware. Wow. Isn't that interesting? So if you hear about him, because yeah, a lot of the Mormon podcasters have been talking about him lately because, oh, oh, because he's connected to Tim Ballard. Um, and this is him who? And Tim, this was the the ther- Tom therapist? Harrison, the one who wrote this book. Yeah, he had three near death experiences. So, so he, and he was my therapist for a while when I was married. I actually used him as a therapist, and he does. He has spiritual gifts. But what I'm realizing right. is, I believe he's a he's a warlock, and he he kind of works off on his on his own but he's written this book about the end times and visions of glory and how in the last days you know it really it really prophesies the mormon church being like the church Corrupt. in the end times mm-hmm. like no the no the true church oh the, the end true times. church like the, the, yeah yeah oh. like he has this vision that joseph smith comes back with jesus christ in in the <laughs> he can't get um, out of hell just ask your dude <laughs> right right oh yeah in the Mormon, um, in the tabernacle, he has this whole vision. Supposedly, it's it's just witchcraft. It's it's he's a warlock. It sounds wild. And anyway, just to say, I have validation proof. right proof. here yeah. that yeah. And and here is where yeah she starts threatening me to sue me. Oh my gosh. So anyway, we can move on from that. But um. Oh, this just let's just watch this video real quick because we talked about this America. What does it mean? Somebody sent me this, so I was like, "Oh yeah, we should just watch that real quick." When we were talking about the flag, mm, yeah. To the Italian explorer Amerigo Vespucci, as we've been taught, but instead, after the Peruvian god Amaru, according to Manly P. Hall, author, Rosicrucian, and honorary thirty-third degree Freemason, quote. The name America is derived from the god Quetzalcoatl in Mexico, and in Peru, he was called Amaru. From the latter name comes our word America. Amaruca is literally translated land of the plumed serpent. The priests of this god of peace once ruled both Americas. There you go. The land of the plumed serpent. That's what the word America means. He looks like a serpent, bro. <laughs> he looks scary. I know. Whereas, like, usually they look a little sweeter, don't you think? Like, you got your spooky. Gargamel. That's Gargamel. He is Gargamel. He's spooky. Yeah. This goes into how he acknowledges Alan Key and School and Bones in his very own book. How you talked about, um, it's called Heart to Heart, I think. And he says right here that, um, oh, 
Life was wonderful and successful, as it always is for the Brotherman. On April 3rd, 1944, I was elected president of the Sigma Chi fraternity. Okay, I, I was best friends with the Sigma Chi fraternity when I was in college. And these boys are all Freemasons. And they all of mm. my my family's friends from my ward growing up were connected. And I used to party with those guys. And they are some wild dudes. And the these, these fraternities are actually part of when boys are initiated and from these bloodlines, they are always put into these fraternities. So not only was he Sigma Chi, he was elected to honorary societies of school and bones in his junior year, owl and key in the senior year and the beehive honorary society in senior year. Yep. Um, and at graduation time to be the honorary scholastic society of Phi Kappa Phi and Phi Beta Kappa, which I think, I think those are, female i think those are soror i know phi beta gosh. kappa is phi beta kappa is yeah so so they they're like oh we love you you're amazing we're gonna give you an honorary whatever um right and so then he says i was awarded his bachelor's degree in june and you know then he just talks about his marriage and stuff so and then here there he is hmm. right there boy he didn't I age mean, well even, he, his nose got crazy his, <laughs> <laughs> well, even his eyes still looked real devious back then. I mean, doesn't too he look of, devious? Too much that? gold like, juice. Too much gold juice. Gold juice, right? Uh, I mean, Skull and Bones, I mean, they're, they're, they're into magic, bone magic. Mm -hmm. It's and, and murder. It's dark. It's not like, oh, it's just a club. No, nope. that's not what it is. <laughs> nope. It's a very dark secret society. So. Anyway, um, let's see. Yeah, we went through that. And then, okay, so let's move over to, how do I get off of, oh, screen share right here. Stop screen share. Um, okay, so let's go through all of these pictures that you sent me that are amazing. Yeah. Um, how do I find them? Where are they? There we go. Oh, wait, I got a screen share for a screen share. <laughs> Sorry, this is. They're worth it. The pictures are worth it, guys. It's hard. They it's weird are... to go back and forth. Yeah, it is. It's like, and the, the screen's weird. Okay. So is it showing on your uh -huh. end yet? Yep. It's there. All right. So why don't we talk about this? <laughs> well, okay. So this is a picture of the FLDS people. And like I've told you guys before, they look very much like they just left a little house on the prairie, which isn't the problem. I mean, I'm just telling you so that you'll know that this is the type of dress and hair that they have because I haven't shown a picture yet. So um, as you can see, there's actually multiple birth defects in this um, family. The family lines are often interbred because they're all related to each other and they don't marry outsiders typically. And they have um, multiple problems with a six digit, but they also have problems. There's like a bunch that they actually have that are really bad. Um, one of them is uh, they can't break down this one enzyme. Let me tell you what it's called. <clears throat> 
It is. Well, and while you look for that, I just want to say this, the reason mm -hmm. this was so fascinating to me is because I have had my own suspicions going, okay, who is Warren Jeffs? And if they broke off from the Mormons and then you've got the Kingston clan and, you know, all these little groups that left mainstream Mormonism. And if I'm suspecting, you know, that Joseph Smith and all of his posterity and the current day prophets are some form of serpent seed, Nephilim hybrid, children of the children of the Nephilim, that you've got this six finger marker mm -hmm. of that. We've talked about that with within the Nephilim hybrid genetics. And so I just thought it was fascinating because you said you were looking something up and you found that and they, came they yeah. have in the FLDS, it's one of their huge main markers is the sixth finger. And so then I'm like, okay, this isn't just like, I want to find somebody, I want to find a survivor, somebody who knows more because they've got to be spinning magic too. They know who they are and they've got to be doing satanic ritual stuff too, um, at the higher echelons. I mean, amongst the men. And I think that's why they kick a lot of the boys out because I think a lot of those boys are sodomites and they just don't have, you know, use for them because they're trying to just procreate and reproduce. Cause that's what the serpent wants is to get as many temples here as he can for his dead Nephilim spirits to inhabit. Cause you know, the, and these they can't bodies, break down bloodlines. Yeah. They can't break down counterfeit spirits. They become a Nephilim host. Yeah. Yeah, the fumarase break down in their what? body, the fumarase in your body, and it causes huge, severe physical and mental retardation. It causes like actual, you can actually see it on some of the people. And like a lot of people were commenting on sister wives, Cody's friend. He has it. He's from the Kingston clan. You can super tell because they all kind of have this different look for if they have this a little bit, but also when they took down Hilldale and Colorado city and they took them away from the FLDS because he went to prison. They still have a little sect that they keep, but there are tons of baby graveyards because these babies, they have like a huge rate of infant mortality. So yeah. it, it's, it's really, it's really scary kind of. And we, like I said, we would get the worst of the worst. Like if they were going to make it and they were like, well, maybe they might make it to the hospital. We would get them when they were like an absolute train wreck and it would just be whoa. And you can see their yeah. skin. Like that girl is unnaturally fair. I mean, I'm very fair. That's even more fair than I am. I, I'm not saying that's always bad. Redheads have it, whatever, but I'm just telling you like that clan has almost all of them have it. It's very strange. Mm -hmm. So it's and not these aren't um, just markers of incest. Yeah. These are specific markers of, you know, breeding with the giant the, interbreeding the fallen, too. The fallen. Mm -hmm. Yep. with angels because the sixth finger comes from the angel. And so to end up with a sixth finger in their genetics, when they left, you know, how many, however long ago, um, that they separated from the main Mormon church and have been out there, you know, they may be doing this angelic breeding these, you know, dark rituals, sacrifices to Moloch, you know, a lot of these dead babies, like I talked about last time, I think what happens there is you've got so many of them they sacrifice in order to get power um and so and then what happens is after you sacrifice so many babies and then you've inbred the natural curse that comes upon that lineage is that they can't bear children and the, and that a lot of the boys are dying and so i think that's what a lot of these deaths have to do with is is a curse upon their heads and then you know you also mentioned that you got some insider information about how they do freemasonry as well in the flds they still continue the freemason rituals that i'm not sure 
as to what, but I know they do the Freemason rituals, very similar to what I think mainstream still does, but I'm not sure about the, the changes and the aspects of it. So, um, but he did. Anybody knows anybody that knows about that in the FLDS, I'd love to hear from them, have them reach out to me because I want to get more information there. Cause I know there's a lot of secrets still buried there that I'd like to connect. So fascinating stuff. You've got Nephilim genetics going on in the FLDS as well. Yes. Um, that's just, okay. So that's just another thing talking about Noah being white as snow and his white wool hair and his eyes being beautiful when he opened them, like, uh, that it was like he illuminated the whole house, like the sun. That's pretty fascinating. Mm-hmm. And then we just got, there's our little incestuous couple, the <laughs> child pedophiles here. We've got, we talked about this last time and I found it. So I thought I'd just show you, you've got president Monson and president Bush, <laughs> president of the Mormon church and president of America doing the sure sign of the nail. We showed you guys that last time. Yep. Looks you know, yep. like that. You can we talked about you can it. See how, yep. You don't Down shake in. hands like that. If you're mean to his cuff. Yeah. That you yes, can... you slip that, you slip that up the cuff on purpose. That's not an accident. You know, when, when you slip mm-hmm. that finger in there and, and you can see even right here, They're you can both see a, a mm-hmm. finger poking over there. And you know what really grosses me out? is the glare and the look that they're giving each other in their eye. Yeah. Kind of strange. That to me says, hello, fellow sodomite. What kind of power do you have? (laughs) They didn't have the power to shave their ears because that close up of Bush was (laughs) good. (laughs) My dad used to make me pluck all that hair out of his ear when I was growing up. I would have had him notice that. Yeah, for sure. Oh my gosh. All right. And we talked about this. Uh, yes. The star. Under the Statue it's, of Liberty. You talked about the star. That we were thinking it was a, a pentagram. It's an 11-pointed 11. It? star. And so the the thing about the 11-pointed star is it's um also represents like the Klepoth and the Tree of Knowledge and the Sephiroth and the Tree of Life and the Kabbalah. They're 10. And then um, they, they're opposite the 10 Sephiroth with the Klippa where there's 11 that comes into the, I can't even pronounce these words very good, Thaumiel, which is the twin gods. So representation like the, the twin towers, 11 is a really important number, but it's actually considered negative. It has like negative meaning Um, in the Holy scriptures. It's only used to symbolize disorder, judgment, and imperfection and the simple nature of mankind, how man rebelled against God, which I thought was super interesting since uh, this is an 11 sided star. So that's Mm -hmm. what represents and like everything that I looked up, it just keeps saying that it's, it's disorder, sin, all of that 11 heads of error, even on the occult stuff, um, Zodiac same, like, it's just really interesting that they would actually choose that. Um, they also use everything as above, so below. So one is good. One is bad. Everything's duality. Like if you get into Crowley's work, but it, 11 well, is an important occult number. Very. Right. So. Okay. And this isn't a very good quality picture. I didn't realize until I just tried to zoom in, but down here, somewhere down here, there's a sign that has the compass in the square. So it's Freemasonry. It was very clearly brought 
or built by the Freemasons and dedicated. And down here, you can't see, but you can go look it up online right here where her foot's showing. Um, there's a chain. There's actually a chain hanging out. So that's about like, it's the illusion of, of freedom, which actually is, you have yeah. a ball. There's a ball and chain under there, your chain. Mm -hmm. All right. And then this was just a really interesting thing I came across this week. Um, so you've got the, the giants and the Nephilim in the book of Jubilees. This is where it comes from. And they explain these different, you know, directly out from a human and an angel breeding. You've got 13 to 36 feet tall. That's the Nephilim. And then the Nephil, um, children of the giants, seven to 13 feet tall. And then the Eliud or the El Elho, uh, grandchildren of the giants, six feet to seven feet tall. And I think this is what we see a lot of today walking around on our basketball teams. And I, I have friends who are like that, you know, and so you're a few generations out from, from your original conception. Um, but you know, I think just talking about it as a Nephilim hybrid, it's because these are different words that were specified tribes during that time, you know, but it says for owing to these three things came the flood upon earth, namely owing to the fornication wherein the watchers against the law of their ordinances went a whoring after the daughters of men and took themselves wives of all which they chose. And they made the beginning of uncleanness and they begat the sons of the Nephidim. I don't know that's spelled different too. And they were all unlike and they devoured one another and the giants slew the Nephil and the Nephil slew the Eho and the E oh sorry Elho and the Elho mankind and one man another and everyone sold himself to work iniquity and to shed much blood and the earth was filled with iniquity. And after this, they sinned against the beast and the birds and all that moves and walks on the earth and much blood was shed on the earth and every imagination and desire of men imagined vanity and evil continually. So this tells you what all these people were like and why their God was telling people to slay every man, woman and child, why he sent the flood because men were sinning <clears throat> by laying with the angels and the angels had sinned and come down and then they just created this breed of children that took over the world and it was just mm -hmm. continual nonsense. So anyway, um, I, I want to, so you, you j just interviewed a friend of yours named Brennan and I want to talk to him yes, some more about this because he has a lot of information about these breakouts and the, and the children of the children of the children. And he was saying how, um, you know, he doesn't, believe that us calling each other Nephilim is appropriate, yeah, which I thought was funny. Cause I'm, I'm like, we kind of do that around here, but, but it's, it's a high, it's hybrid. It's not saying <laughs> you are the giant, this giant, you know, All per right. se, but the, the hybrid from them, because there's so many terms and there's so many tribes in the Bible that were giants, like the Philistines were giant tribes, you know, the mm -hmm. Canaanites were a lot of, most of these ites tribes were some version of one of these. And it I doesn't think he always was, tell um, you how I think he was just saying, like, we never want to put a curse upon anybody. So, like, you never want to take a curse like that was how he kind of explained it to me. And he was like, well, even if if that does happen, we don't know and we don't have any proof. But, yeah, I would cover it, cover the sin just in case, like, 
you know, pray about it and all the things that way. But I mean, and I get that. I definitely get where he's coming from too, because there, I mean, we really don't know, but we're, we're, and that's the big thing with me and her is we're just trying to figure this out. Like everybody else, like yeah. not everybody, not very many people do this. So all I know is, is me and her have had a lot of conversations about a lot of things where we're like, oh, wow, that was weird. Or this is weird. Or your family said what? And just all this stuff. So we're doing our best too, people. So Are you talking about me and you or me or you me and, and you? Else? Me and you. Oh, okay. Yep. We've had um, a lot of talks about all this family stuff and my weird stuff and your weird stuff. And we're just trying to figure this out. Yeah, because like, we know we yeah. come from this on some level. And and so we're we're all just learning how it fits. And that there's what it says in the Bible. And then there's the reality of how it's showing up in our lives today. And God's been teaching. I still have dreams on the regular about this kind of stuff. And he shows me new stuff all the time. And one of the things he was showing me recently, well, he was having me do some warfare um and some intercession for and in behalf of some family friends who have this six finger and the bloodline and have a lot of black magic stuff going on in their family. The way he showed it to me was um, like a parasite. And so the way, the way that Brennan had explained it was that it's a counterfeit spirit. So it's not, you know, it's basically an illegal spirit, but I think once you get out a certain level from them, um, there is, a redemption that's possible, right? And it's may not be a full counter fit spirit because what I've heard other people talk about who are in deliverance, who have actually worked with people who come from these bloodlines and will tell you, I gave birth to a Nephilim child. I was forced in a ritual to have sex with a fallen angel, you know, and I gave birth to this child. And what they do a lot, because it's interesting, he was talking about this as well. They, they grow so fast that they take them into hiding and they raise them and then they send them back to marry their own mother. And so you guys were talking about the breeding among amongst how you can get like, what was it? Like an SS. The giants. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. He was talking about like how you get like a What's purebred. that called? The gene? The gene? Oh, the, the dominant and recessive and the Punnett square. Something we in a box? Talking. Squares, yeah, Punnett, yeah. That's a Punnett square. And so we were talking about how like a giant would have to have like S like a big S and a little S because they had a mother that's the little and the giant. And then you'd have to have a big S little S. And so eventually when you transfer them across, you probably get one in four. I could do it. I, I, well, yuck, because they do send them back to that's I'm sure why they're sending them back to breed with their own mothers. Um, and then in my visions, like I've had where they're breeding with little people to downsize. And so we don't know how many people out in front of us may be, you know, closer to this because they're not a giant. They're not 13 to 36 feet tall anymore. If they're mm -hmm. going back and they're breeding them and downsizing and using little people, um, if they took a little person and bred a little person with an angel, so you have a full-blown Nephilim, you know, in that first generation, and then they're smaller, and then you breed them with a smaller person, you know, th this is that science in that vision that God was showing me that I couldn't even retain. It was so big and it was in such a short, quick, you know, download. But it's going on. I know it's still going on today. And we have these re remnants in, in our bloodlines. And so what, how he was showing it to me is as a, a parasite. And so if somebody has a parasite spirit, I believe what that would be is probably more like because they have a um, legal, because the enemy's kingdom, the kingdom of darkness has a legal right to somebody who has this on their bloodline. You know, if somebody 
like my friend is born out far enough in these generations and they don't have a counterfeit spirit, what they can do is infect them with a Nephilim host. And that would be the disembodied dead, the evil spirits. And that would be more like what we were calling demonic possession. But they live out their entire life with this Nephilim host inside of their body working through their bloodline. And so that would be something that would be more of like a um, exorcism that would need to happen on that to, to procure the life of that person if they're fully human. And I think God's just going to keep revealing more and more about this because those of us who are involved in intercession and deliverance are getting downloads about this stuff. That's not written, you know, because, um, because of our genetics and, and there's that book that I talk about, um, that Nathan Reynolds pointed to that is called, um, the God, the gospel to every man. Is so, oh, now I can't remember the name of the book, but it's essentially one of the scriptures in the Bible that, oh, pre preach the gospel to every creature, something like that, oh, you know, talking yeah. about uh -huh. how, because the question is, is, you know, he thought Nathan Reynolds thought his whole life, he wasn't redeemable because when they tell you, oh, you're a hybrid, you, you're a serpent seed, you work for the devil this is who you are. You just think, Oh, okay. I'm unredeemable. Like we talked about how they think they're apocalypse architects and things like that. <clears throat> but then Jesus came and redeemed him and saved him. So, so then it's like, well, is it a full counterfeit spirit? We don't know. So that's where like revelation and prayer and is just really going to have to come in in these end times because we're fighting a crazy battle against. <laughs> and like I talked about with my daughter's vision, you know, you've got the wicked destroying the wicked. And then there's some who are in between who may not be counterfeit, who are born into a bloodline to be redeemed and to expose the enemy. And so it's just fascinating stuff. Anyway, do you have anything you want to add to that? No, I'm glad that you were talking because I'm still getting over my cold. So. <laughs> All right. Sorry about that. Uh, that's okay. I muted. Hopefully it was muted. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was. It was. Okay. Uh, this is just a fascinating picture that I found that shows back in the early, you know, these are all the different prophets from all of these generations and them in all of their little white suits who are all like mm -hmm. their temple clothes, bloody murder, <laughs> incestuous. It's oh, just well, Brigham Young's suit should have been red with red shoes. <laughs> he was right. They literally nicknamed him bloody Brigham. So I mean, it was. Oh, else. wow. Mm -hmm. he was bad yeah it's fu it's funny too because in it when I get dreams um when I have dreams and when I'm doing my interpretation when somebody presents like in a white shirt or something what that means to me is a false light like that mm -hmm. somebody's trying to pose and present themselves as being you know something good when they're not and so I usually as soon as I see somebody in white and when I'm in dreams I'm like evil they're evil <laughs> <laughs> you're like no don't come at me yeah Oh man. Yeah, this this these just made, made me laugh. Okay, so why don't you talk to us about these parchments you sent me so, all this stuff cuz anything Joseph, about these. Yes, these are owned by a private collector and they were originally um owned by the RLDS church, so the reorganized LDS church which was um the branch that Emma's son started without the polygamy, I believe. I think that's right. Um but they had these in their property and they said by the sigils that are on them that even though like they say 
Um, they were found through Hiram's family. Most likely they were owned by Joseph C Sr. and Joseph Smith. And I've looked at these with some OTO members. And as much as I know about Enochian magic and different things, because I've studied like crazy to try and figure all this out, not because I, I want to be a magician or anything weird, but I, you see this and you're like, okay, I want an answer. And so then you start going through stuff and I'm like, no, there's nothing in the Bible. There's nothing anywhere. Where do I find this? So I put a Google search of the photos, not this one, but the holiness to the Lord parchment. And the thing that came up, kept coming up was Enochian, Enochian alphabet. I'm like, what's the Enochian alphabet? Oh, okay. Well, I have to go down that one, one back. This is the holiness to the Lord parchment. And so I'm like, what is this? And when I was on Josh Mondays, I didn't know yet. I kind of knew a little tiny bit. And then they were like, I knew the middle was a Maltese cross and that's very Rosicrucian. And I knew a couple other things, but I definitely hadn't gone deep enough or asked enough people. And so the more I found out, these are sigil magic. Like this is calling down for specific angels. And there's one, I don't know if you put that one in here with the red and it has all the explanations and it has different. Um, and I don't know it because if you kept them black and white, it might not be there, but that's okay. Um, another time I've posted it and they can look it up if they want to, but it has like a breakdown at the bottom of what the heck all that is. I mean, cause there's multiple parchments. And so they try really hard to blow this off. Right. Because how evil does that first one look that you showed that black and white? Oh, there it is. See, see all these little sigil markings and at the bottom, there's a cipher, right? So originally when Joseph Smith was disclosing things, he was saying um, when he was doing all his translations, see this Raphael star, this is calling down the angel Raphael. And this is all from the Magus, which the Magus is an occultic book full of spells. So like, and witchcraft books and all these things. So look at these books at the bottom and none of them are, I mean, you're not going to learn this stuff if you just stay in the Bible, it's not going to happen. So I had to go mm -hmm. outside of the Bible, which made me super duper uncomfortable because I'm not a seer. I'm a feeler. And so boy, did I get nailed. I started having weird feelings, like all kinds of stuff. I just, I was not happy about it. And I have to always protect myself and put on a lot of armor of God, because I know that I'm protected at this point. I know that this has to happen from someone. If I don't tell you this, you're net like, who's going to go study the occult and put their self in that uncomfortable shoes to come and tell you this? Like, I didn't want to do it either, but here I am. So. And if you're do if you're doing magic with angels, you're not doing magic with good angels. Yeah. No, and if, yeah. And they're going to lie. You know, that this is the thing about John D. John, he D drew all this. This is, this is this drawn is by Joseph. Sigil. Yes. And it, this is all highlighted in red and stuff so that you can see the separation of each symbol, but it looked like the black and white version and they're really in poor shape. They, they took, these are the only photos of them and you can go online and look up holiness to the Lord parchment and it will come up. It is not me making this up. Like this is real. And I think I'm one of the few ex-Mormons that cover this because it's so occult in nature that most people look at it and go, yeah, nope, not going to deal with that. Even if they show you the picture, they're not, <laughs> they're not going to get into this. And even if they talk about they just it, wanna, say, they just want folk to magic. Yeah. Yeah. They'll just say, oh, it's folk magic. That's what it is. And then everybody accepts that. But these books at the bottom are how they got the ciphers 
of what the hell is on here. And so see this is how this, he got Moroni to appear. Yes, yes. And I will explain, like, I'm going to be doing a huge thing on John D here in a couple of weeks, but John D is the critical part of this. And he was born in 1527. He was an astrologer. He was a mathematician. He was um, the queen's like, if they needed an astrology date, like what day her coronation should be all these weird things. So kind of like a magician. And he was really actually um, a Christian, but he wanted to know these secrets so badly that he was, he was getting other people to scry for him because he himself was so smart and brilliant that he never could let down the part where you have, I guess, where you have to let it down to receive, like, um, I guess, see, seeing things. So he had to go get scries and his scry, Edward Kelly actually tried to quit like two or three times because one time a sword came out of the book and like stabbed him because he wanted to leave. And like, they saw this, it was like, these angels were not nice. They were horrible. And so the same thing with Joseph Smith, he says later, like the salamander letters are this big joke, but actually there's a true story that Joseph Smith said that has an affidavit for court from one of his neighbors that he told the story of a toad, which is actually more occult in nature. It's dark magic. A salamander would be considered white magic, but a toad is not. It's considered black, like dark magic. And that it punched him when he tried to get the plates and knocked him out three or four times. So like, this is not my story. Like this is his story. Well, and then and the then, question I was asking about yeah. that is, is my question is, was some of these things that he's written, was he even in the physical realm? No, because when I you're think, a warlock, I think you're he was warlock, downloading you travel in the spirit. Well, and, I think and what, you can travel in the spirit to other dimensions. And if he went and got some plates and when he was under that sheet, he could have been interdimensional. That may not be what, that may be why the whole plate thing was so it, I think like he couldn't say well like I don't I can't actually hold them because they're not physical they're in a spiritual dimension I don't know I'm just conjecturing John, John D something- and his scry used a black magical mirror which was made it of obsidian so a crystal stone as well and they had downloads from the angel directly to the scryer and he would write these Enochian symbols, which funny enough, look like what Egyptian is what we were told as kids, right? That this was written in Egyptian reformed Egyptian is what he called it, but it wasn't. I think he was getting the Enochian alphabet and these symbols. So people like think Joseph was writing like, and then it came to pass. No, that wasn't it. He was writing these symbols and then he was filling in things, which is why it has some wordage of the Bible but I think the actual body of the work was done by channeling these spirits because it's, he used a seer stone, which was made of certain things as well. So it, it's really closely related. It's, it's yeah. very closely related and it's not yeah. just him. Uh, Alistair Crowley did this. Uh, Alistair yeah. Crowley had a download for the book of the law with an alien named Awas in Egypt and other people, Muhammad did from Gabriel, the angel. And if you, and all if you go into people. the new age community, if you go into the new age community, there are plenty of people right now currently who are writing books of supposedly mm-hmm. ancient histories. They're writing right now that are channeled books and they're getting the same they're getting this information from fallen angels. And so it's, it's incredibly common even today. Channeling is one of the most common, like naughty things that humanity does to get this information. And the fallen is always trying to, you know, send their little twists and twerks into our, um, 
realm. But I just wanted to point this one out because we're going to sh- show that Jupiter's talisman, but this says Jupiter mm-hmm. is associated with high positions, getting one's own way, not God's will. And all forms of status, how you talked about his charisma, you could be sitting in the same room with him and be so mad at him and you just couldn't be stay mad at him, as well as the power of simulate, I can't tell, it's kind of blurry, sorry, simulating, simulating anyone, stimulating stim- anyone, stimulating, ooh, stimulating anyone to offer his devotion yep. to the possessor of the talisman. So that is how you get so many followers. That is straight up witchcraft. And Joseph mm-hmm. Smith drew this. And he never, symbol. he never took that Jupiter talisman off and his wife identified it upon his death she identified it and it requested it back so there's no question they cannot say that was Hiram's they cannot say that was someone else's it is his it has been identified so he wore this all the days of his life so why mm-hmm. if he was such why isn't it a cross or why isn't it I don't care why isn't it something else you know this is a cult in nature and talismans are and here's my deal I don't care like, if you want to be an occult magic person, then you go be that. But like, don't call yourself Christian, please leave Christianity away from it. And I will leave you alone. Mormon church, like let the people no, out of enslavement. I, I know. I was just realizing that, that with, um, how, when I was reading about how he got his, um, Freemason, you know, mm-hmm. he, he accomplished all the, the levels. Uh This is my conjecture. This is what, after reading everything that I've read, I think what happened is that I think he's a serpent bloodline, Nephilim, something into magic. And I think that the, I think that the Freemasonry came secondary. I think he joined that in order to have a cover for all of his occult stuff and to go plug it into that. And you have to have, he probably learned then you have to have a um, well, they were burning power, people. Right? They were burning witches. So I don't think that they were trying to um, go put this out. You know, they were probably trying to hide this. Yeah, they had costs. to hide. They always had to hide it under yeah. religion. I believe that's why because, his family left the UK in the first place because they oh, were running. And his mother was Scottish. Witches. Yeah, his mother yeah, was so they're, Scottish. They're on the and that's run. Even worse. The burning yeah. of the witches, which is going mm-hmm. on all over. So they have to hide it under religion. So he comes out and goes in, gets all of his Freemasonry levels real quick. And it's like, oh my gosh. I can hide all of my stuff inside of Christianity. You have to have a higher power. So I'm going to take Freemasonry and Christianity and mix it and and put forward this elite form of, of Freemasonry and religion. And then that's where we can hide all of our serpentine bloodline, all of our Nephilim, you know. Well, because- and he was, the way he rose to his Freemasonry was very odd. It was very occult in nature because... He rose to a master Mason in one day. That does not happen. He got his Masonic rights. And then one day later, he rose to a master Mason. Why? And then all of a sudden he's got a dead baby, his first son, and his dad's got a dead first son. So then all of a sudden, that's your number one. Do you know in the occult, the most expensive thing that you can bring is your son, your son. And so if they were doing, you know, a sacrifice, which I'm just guessing, okay, I mean, that would be it. Because his dad, shortly after this all nonsense started going on, the oldest son dies, right? And then his brother died. And so it was, what's his name? Alvin? Yes, I think so. Mm -hmm. And so then he had a baby and it was 
like almost nine months to the day that he got the plates and it was in the middle of the night, all dressed in black. This guy gave an affidavit in court about how they obtained the plates with a black horse and dressed in black on the fall equinox in the middle of the night. And it's not like law, like all white and delightsome, like we think. No, it's very occult. And he had Emma with him. And so he supposedly gets the plates that day. Well, they went home and had their wedding that night. They had had their wedding. I mean, their wedding night. They had already had their wedding. And I think the correlation is he knew he wasn't going to be pure anymore after that point. So nine months, almost to the day they have a baby and it's born severely deformed, doesn't live. And they name it the dead brother's name. And at some point they dig the dead brother up and put it in the newspaper. It's just too good. Like, and then the why dad did they dig the, why did oh, they this dig is the brother so, up? I forgot to tell you this. This is amazing. Okay. This is <laughs> hilarious. I wished I would have sent you the picture on this because this is like the funniest crap you've ever heard. So all of a sudden, okay. They said the angel said to him, no, you can't have the plates come back next year and bring your oldest brother. And he's like, okay. And then he goes home and the brother dies like of a sudden they said it was an illness, but I guess when they did like the autopsy, he had been accidentally poisoned by the doctor from some like bowel obstruction or something, something Here, they here's, gave him. Here's the humor of the wicked angels messing right. with humanity. Yeah, Still exactly. Killing Still killing people. Humans. Yes. And so they're like, they go, they need this brother, but he's dead. And so they go back a year later and apparently it had got out like before the brother died, like, Oh, I, I need to take him with me, blah, blah, blah. Well, the brother dies. So the dad comes out a year later and puts this in the newspaper. This is undisputable. It's in the newspaper. He takes out an ad and says, hey, I didn't mess with my son's body and we didn't dig him up. So we would never do that. So yeah, we're not, we're, we're not weirdos like that basically, but we're going to go <laughs> dig him up and make sure that we, nobody else dug him up because we didn't dig him up. So if you saw us dig him up, it wasn't us. <laughs> and it was so weird. <laughs> I was like, when I read the article, I thought, oh my gosh, they dug him up, you know, like they got to totally... go make sure nobody else. Dug. Yeah. Well, I think and what so it was, they took him to get the. They took yeah. him to get the plate. Well, no, they, li they lie and say they didn't. And they say we were just making sure he wasn't disturbed. You can tell if a year old grave has been dug. OK, all they had to do was go. But look they at probably the did is what you're saying. That they but they dug him up. They did dig him up angle. to prove to everyone that they didn't dig him up. But but they could have snuck a finger or something. That's what I think. But. <laughs> that's just oh, my work they needed his they needed his bone maybe that maybe that's what all the skull and bones know that god i him, swear you know that well and Mary. here's the thing if if you put that in your newspaper then if somebody did see you they could be like well i'm pre-gaming that so i'm gonna cover my butt and say it was because we were checking on things and you could disturb <laughs> the grave later by going back because now it's already been turned over. The dirt's turned over. So you could go back in the middle of the night and do it again. Easy. Yeah. Easy. Well, and plus you, with you talking about the death of all these firstborn sons, yes. like look, look at how much more magic you could do. If you had 33 wives to have a baby for you, how many firstborn sons could you have? 
if for polygamy. True. Like, look at the benefit of the magic of polygamy. That puts a whole other level of intention and purpose behind polygamy. And and there's the, know, all those baby graveyards. Home. There's all those baby graveyards. Well, there yeah, that are yeah. weird. There's and unmarked. They are unmarked. And they're like a damn so many... cemetery. That's weird. Yeah, and if you if you look at these, if you go and look at the births of and and a lot of his children with the other wives aren't because Joseph Smith's polygamy was secret polygamy. And I want to put that out there because I've had questions and on a couple other shows that I've done, I wasn't sure yet. I was like, well, I don't know. Cause a lot of people are saying they don't think that Joseph Smith lived polygamy. Well, I found the smoking bullet. So I can go ahead and say a Joseph Smith was living polygamy because there's a guy who got access to all of the journals. He was put onto the church by, in, I think it was 95, maybe he wrote um, a whole book about it. And I, oh, have, is this the McClellan uh, collection? or no no um I can't remember what it's called I just I didn't read the book I just listened to the podcast of the guy who wrote the book but he oh he's alive it wasn't that notes okay yeah so I have it I have it and so anybody who's heard this nonsense about how Joseph wasn't a polygamist it's bs and it oh and people are going well he put out in the newspaper yeah look what his dad just put out in the newspaper we know they use the newspaper to cover their secret lifestyle so if he put out in the newspaper, nobody can live polygamy. It's illegal. He did it because people were catching on that he was secretly living polygamy. Well, and he was he excommunicating. Had- he excommunicated Oliver Cowdery, which helped him and was his cousin, by the way, if you didn't know that, like Oliver Cowdery was his cousin. And then so he excommunicated him for for them getting mad at him over polygamy because they caught him with the barn, the girl that he raised in the barn. And the same thing with Martin Harris, they were both excommunicated because they were like, Hey, you're messing around with your adopted daughter. That's creepy. And then Emma threw her out because she was super young and they'd raised her since she was born. And yeah. I mean, if that threw a lot of people out, he had a few yeah. people living in his house, but most, this is the other thing that's crazy that he exposes. And I knew this before, but I just hadn't, I didn't have the, solid information for years but but he his wives were also doing polyandry because most of a a good maybe third of his wives uh the guy who wrote the book he counted 33 and then other historians have come since and found anywhere between 32 and 35 in journals because they didn't have a temple yet that they were doing ceilings in and so it was all secret polygamy and so it was spiritual husbandry and it doesn't really matter because he still had kids with a bunch of them. But all of those kids that he had when he died, they ended up marrying other general authorities like Brigham Young and the church lies. The church lies. And, and then they changed the kids' names. Other kids. Yeah. Right. And then some of the kids, some of the kids, um, ended up they they didn't even know that was their dad you know because it was all this big secret and and because of the polyandry and he was taking other men's wives these women that he was married to it was essentially just a sexual relationship to probably get his first porn kids from when the more you think about it because they lived in their house with their current Mm -hmm. husband and so it was like he would just go around borrowing people's spouses so so there wasn't it wasn't just polygamy and that's one thing that people don't talk about is it was it is journaled proof to this Stealing. guy got in the original yeah. copies and he was marrying women who were already married, Definitely, it, which Most all, of all them. it is, is adultery. Most of them. It's just adultery. Most of them were already married except the really young ones. And, and the bad thing is, is here, this is why missions became a thing. Cause he'd be like spotting out somebody's wife. And then he's like, you know, you should go be a door knocker in Iowa. <laughs> So they right. send him away or send him to the natives or whatever, wherever. And he would just do what he wanted. And Bend there were women. Well, you know, his, his, um, I think it was his cousin, the, the book, um, 
the, my life. No one knows my history. And they, they always yeah. lie and say that it's not real, but she talks about this in there. She talks about this openly that he had other wives. So, well, yeah. And that's yeah. the thing is, is I think that the people saying that he wasn't a polygamist is only in the past few years, because this is the first time I've really heard people coming out and saying that he wasn't. And I think that's an attempt at the church, church, really trying to just what they're always doing, changing their story and Cover rewriting their history. Books. They're they're, they're putting out their newspaper article. <laughs> yeah. They, yep. they need to start putting out their art. We do not molest children ever. So if somebody says they're molested, <laughs> we wouldn't molest them. It wasn't us. It was the Catholics. <laughs> yeah. President Nelson's going to start putting in the news. Oh, I have not molested my children oh, my or my grandchildren. Just so you know. Yeah. That's the Catholics. You have us confused with the other church. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Oh, they're the great and abominable, <laughs> the horrible all the earth. That's not us. Oh it's, we're gosh. talking about the Catholics in the book of now, Mormon. Now, Catholics, uh, don't get mad at us. We're making a joke. I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, no, anyway. they're, they're the same thing. They're brothers in the hood, all of them. Yes, yes. Um, so just last point before I move on from this one, it says this talisman demonstrates Joe Smith's fascination with magic. The purpose of such talisman was to help the owner have influence over others, become rich and powerful and find peace. Again, the reason he kept that and why people were so drawn to him. Um fascinating stuff. I agree. Yeah. So weird. Like, I mean, those, and, uh, and like I said, the, uh, oh, the one thing I didn't say, if you go back to the next, um, when you go back to those weird drawings, there's one in a circle and it's like a weird circle. Uh, the, I, did I pass it? You seen it? Uh, yeah. One back right there. This bottom corner, <clears throat> this was actually how I discovered the whole link between John D. So in that bottom corner down at the down here. Yep. This. And this is a sigil for a special angel that I could not find. I could not find it. And finally I found it. And the only other reference, and I am telling you, I am a researcher. I'm dedicated to having my stuff backed up because I really like to make sure I know what I'm talking about. That particular sigil is an angel named Jubla Dance. And I've never found it, even all the OTO people, nobody knows what it is. And so I'm going through and just, I finally found the name on the sigil and found out through like reverse, like when you take a picture of something and you're looking through things. And when I found it, it was in John D's writings for the Enochian alphabet. And once again, Jubla dance. And it's the only two times in the whole scouring of the internet for probably six months that I can find it. Mm -hmm period. So you can't and tell he, me he this didn't is him have calling a down a yeah. certain angel. Yep. And you mm -hmm. can't tell me they, they always want to say he couldn't have got a copy of the Magus. He couldn't have got, he couldn't be doing magic. He was just a farm boy. He was a dumb little kid, blah, 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 whatever. There are so many people that have witnessed the family doing magic. The, there's quotes we're going to get to. In fact, you can go to that one right now with the Lucy Max Smith quote, cause it backs up the magic and yeah. where she wrote in the cursive. <clears throat> and I'm going to go to, I'm trying to see what these say though, right here. This says like prophet exurga deuce. It looks like Latin. This says something about dominion, dominion, mason. <sighs> yeah. 
Habent, Habent. Yeah, it's it's probably we would have we should something. we should look Clearly. it up without saying it because who knows what the hell we're saying. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but I know that it is. This is things you do not mess with, really. So this right here is an excerpt. Lucy Max Smith made a biography, and boy, did this bite the church in the ass. And let me tell you. She provides this little scribble here and at the bottom, I think if you go down further, I hope it's the translation of it. Yes. Let my reader suppose that because I shall pursue another topic for a season that we stopped our labor and went at trying to win the faculty of a brack. Remember that part drawing magic circles or soothsaying to the neglect of all kind of business. So she's saying just because we were busy doesn't mean we were lazy because people were calling them lazy. Uh, we never during our lives suffered one important interest to swallow up every other obligation. But whilst we worked with our hands, we endeavored to remember the service of and the welfare of our souls. So they never stopped just because they were busy. Drawing magic circles does not mean they stopped uh, giving homage to their freaking demon, the Abrac demon. I mean, I couldn't believe it when I read it. Nobody brings this up. Abrac is a demon and it's where we get the saying abracadabra. And it's actually ahabra-dabra or something the way you really are supposed to say it. But anyways, it's a spell. This is uh, Abraxas or he's, this one is a different, uh, but he's the chicken snake God. Usually he's shown with a beak, but this one is the one on Wikipedia and it does explain it better, like what he was over. And yeah, see the chicken snake got up there on the left. Well, probably you're and right. This I'm one didn't. Sure. didn't yeah, that one very right there. <laughs> and so Sam, even Sam Tripoli talks about this all the time. The chicken snake God. This is like well known. This he does. Is, what does he say about it? Uh, they've done a lot of shows on on this. And so not on Joseph really? Smith, but on this God. And and he's always like laughing about it and saying, yeah, that's that's so cool. The chicken snake God, blah, blah, blah. So when I saw this, I about died because I knew what it was. I was like, oh, my gosh, I know what that is. I heard a show about this. And then so I just went wild with it. But it was so surprising to me because it is so occultic in nature. We are not to worship other gods. This is a lower G God period. They have specific things. Fallen angel, obviously it's a it's hybrid. It's a mix. It's yep. Hybrid. It's a hybrid. It's got something. snakes and chicken. And I mean, it is just weird and it's over specific things like they all are. And so yeah. it, it's uh, let's see what it's over. Let's try and find it really quick. I'll find that picture that you pulled because I know it's on there. Uh, all right. He's a great archon. Yeah, it's weird how, and I couldn't find a lot of pictures of it, but the like it, the snake are on the feet, so it's about mm -hmm. you, you know walking a path with the serpent. Yep, and he um is over like specific things, which is so strange to me. And I mean, a house of a brack means a house of the like literally they have house of the Lord on the other one. So you can fill that in people like it's, it's right there. And he's over like very specific. Yep. Very well of this devil is specifically. And I do believe in my heart of hearts that that is their God. I do believe that that, that particular lowercase G God is what they pray to and different things. And every time I talk well, about it, I, 
have problems, but anyway. Which which means it's probably mm. the God that's over the Mormon church. That, yes, a hundred percent. When you when you go and create something, you can't change it. You like nobody else can change no. it. Like the he's the author of the Mormon church. And so whatever he placed over it, whatever he dedicated it to is why like those, those curses that you go take in the temple that are real, like that, that Very agreement that you real. make in the temple with Lucifer, you know, it, it's, it's terrifying and you can feel it. Like, I'm sorry, but you, you really can feel that, that, that is not comfortable. That's, yeah. that's not a comfortable place to be. You know, you've been there also at the bottom, yeah. this, um, on the very bottom there, that knife is called, um, a sigil knife. And it's actually an occultic thing because my friend in the OTO told me New York Patriot, and it you can is see the got, sigils carved on it. Right it's there. got a sigil of Mars, the Mars sigil. So actually what it is, is it's a blessing um, that they don't have to do anything out loud. It's already on the knife for when they slit its throat. So, and they were often, and their neighbor literally said to find treasure one night, we had to go out at midnight and sacrifice a black, I can't remember if it was a sheep or a goat, but either a sheep or a goat and slice its throat and let it bleed all over the circle and all this crazy wacko. It was like, wow. I mean, it was something else. So, wow. yeah, it was. And that was a sworn. These are sworn statements because he got in trouble for glass looking. And so he had to go and have a trial. So all these things. Yeah, were that's what's interesting. Is it, yeah, a lot. That's that's another thing about the polygamy thing is um, for some reason they had a bunch of people come in. And I think it was after he died, a bunch of his wives came in and, and signed affidavits and talked about, yes, they consummated the marriages. Yes, some of them had children with him. And yes, you know, not all of them, but they did talk to some of them. So that that was another <laughs> way they were able to authenticate because they were hiding it. And so sometimes if they were hiding it, it wasn't even always written in journals, although it is also recorded in journals. Well, and the uh, funny thing is, what is the Mormon church always pushing? keep a journal. So there were journals of a lot of things. And I bet they wish they hadn't made that little rule. Like, yeah, they were able well, to, and, that, and in the FLDS church, like your brother-in-law knows that like the mm -hmm. FLDS church, when the police come and they start searching your journals, they want to have records. Oh and the yeah. Family knows oh, gosh. Your journals yeah. and you're telling their secrets and they're in your journals. You know, it's definitely yeah. the pressure to keep a journal is definitely one of those spy. One of the biggest things. The and yeah, they, they find out so much stuff that way. That was how a big thing happened with the Hoffman case and the Salamander story was because the Salamander letter is because he said something about a McClellan collection and there really was a McClellan collection of journals. And so I found mm -hmm. that excessively interesting because he didn't find it and he lied about it, but it really did exist and they found it later. And it was really damning to Joseph about yeah. polygamy, about yeah. polygamy, back Absolutely. to your point. So uh -huh. It's just Absolutely. one of those things where I'm sure they're like, oh, wow, wished we wouldn't have wrote that. Wish we would have burned that. <laughs> Speaking of burning Lucy Max Smith's book, and I, I, I will wrap up here soon because I got to go get my little, my littles. But um, she, when she wrote that book and Brigham Young took over and they split the churches, he tried to have them all burned, like all of them. Yeah. I mean, cause, yeah. cause that doesn't look bad at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mr. Yeah. Bloodstone yeah. himself. Yeah. Well, and it was interesting too, even I'll, I'll 
link that interview uh, or that guy who is talking about Joseph Smith's polygamy um, in the description as well. But the thing that's really interesting is you'll take note, you know, this guy is a Freemason and it's the only reason he was given access to these books is because they only allow their own to write books about themselves. And um, when, when they would ask him questions, he's very tight lipped. You can sense the oath of secrecy and to cut out the tongue while they're interviewing him because he speaks very generally, very vague, very, you know, it's really strange because he's and not open at all. He in a trance, like they do that weird trance he yeah. talk and I hate it so much. When I hear that, I don't know about you, but from my PTSD, I I can't. I know Ugh. it is. It drives you nuts because you can just tell there's this whole fake thing going it's on to so it. So yucky. But, you know, yeah. He read all of these women's journals. He he had access to originals of all of this stuff. Somebody came and put it in his hands. He doesn't say who, he doesn't say how. Obviously, they give people assignments to go and write some history for, you know, probably make some money, put it in Deseret Book. And I mean he, he, he doesn't really expose what was in there. He speaks very generally. So you can sense that it's like, even though he came out and admitted he was, he was a a polygamist, there were certain things about it that he just wouldn't say. Mm -hmm. And I thought, I thought that was fascinating, but anyway, so yeah, we're going (laughs) to, we're going to take a break right now. We still have a bunch more images to share with you and some other things we'll talk about. So we're long winded, but we're worth the wait. We promise. That's right. (laughs) All right. All right. We'll catch up on the next episode. Thanks, Heidi. Yep.